Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. Father, the time where we want to hear from you. Not my ideas, O Lord, not my thoughts, but your thoughts, your ways. Teach us your ways, show us your paths, and lead us in the way of everlasting life, we pray. I pray, Lord Father, for every one of us over here who's listening to this message, and I pray, Father, for all of them who will be listening to this online. I pray, Father, that you would give all of us discerning ears that we'll be able to understand the spirit behind the letter. And Lord, if it is not from you, anything that is not of you, let it just fall to the ground. But what is from you, O Lord, let it bring forth fruit in our lives. A hundredfold, O Lord Jesus. That is your will. That we should bear fruit a hundredfold. Grant us grace to that end, O Lord. Let us Let our hearts be inclined to that end, we pray. Let, let not the cares of this world, not the desires for other things and for pleasure, let it crowd, let it not crowd the word of God that is going to be sown into our hearts. But Lord, let the heart, let the word of God fall on good and honest hearts who with patience will bring forth a harvest of righteousness. Oh Lord, grant us grace to that end we pray as a church. Oh Father, to whom much is given, you said, much will be required. Help us this morning. Anoint us to hear your word and anoint me to speak your word with clarity, with boldness, with unction. Absolutely, I am dependent upon you, O oh Lord. I have nothing in myself and therefore I say, help, Lord, help. Help, Lord. Help. We need you. You said, O oh Lord, Father, a, ha- a horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory comes from the Lord. Oh Lord Jesus, I may have prepared, but the victory comes from you. Oh Lord Father, we wait for you this morning. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Yes, um, the offertory song says that we should come to the cross. So I believe God has titled this message, his cross, my cross. I didn't know this. The offered song would be this, but thank God, no? That thank God for confirmation. <laughs> and I look for that all the time. When I come to church, I'm looking for pointers. Lord, am I supposed to speak here? Am I supposed to, will the worship leader say something? And I'm looking for confirmation. Thank God for confirmation. His cross, my cross. There's a difference. Okay. There's a difference between the cross of Christ and when he says pick up your cross daily there's a difference what is that we'll look at that today Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 is what we looked at last last Sunday and also through the Wednesday uh, stand fast therefore in the liberty with by which Christ has made us free we look at the difference between liberty and freedom yes And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Stand fast in the liberty. And do not, by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. In other words, we are all, that's what the hymn writer will say. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. 
sealed for thy courts above. On Wednesday, we looked at another passage which talks about freedom and particularly how who makes us free how do we enjoy this freedom and we know from john's gospel chapter 8 verse 35 it says if the son that is jesus christ sets you free then you are truly free but if you are a slave to sin you are not free you can call yourself abraham's child and you can boast about your pedigree but that is not going to really help you you're, you have to be really free from sin. That was what we looked at last Wednesday. In John's Gospel chapter 8, we looked at that uh, uh, last Wednesday in detail. We'll take that as a primary te- I mean, uh, a text for launching into the meat of today's message. John's Gospel chapter 8, verse 30 to 34. Let us look at that carefully. He spoke these words and many believed. As he spoke, many believed in him. And Jesus Christ, as I said, is not impressed with numbers. When many believe, he will increase the temperature. And look at what he says. Then Jesus said to those who believed in him, If you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Other translations will say, you are truly my disciples or you are my true disciples. You are my true disciples if you abide in my word. And then you shall know the truth. If you abide in my word, you will be my true disciples. You will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. That is how you enjoy freedom. How do you enjoy freedom? You know the truth. About whom? About yourself. Okay, that is the reason why it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 8, those who bear fruit are those people who receive the word. They have the word which is sown into honest hearts. Not perfect hearts, honest hearts. They're not offended with the word. When the word becomes a little tough, they don't get offended. They take it as a correction from their father, from their heavenly father. And they bear fruit hundredfold patiently by exercising patience. So he says, if you, if you, if you want to really be made free, you should know the truth. How do you know the truth? You should be my true disciple. And how will you be my true disciple if you continue to abide in my word? It's a very, very, straightforward thing but there's something which we have to exercise and experience every day of our lives so what is the opposite of a true disciple false disciple right false disciple now one of the things that i understood um, in christianity especially the greatest harm that happens in any church is not because of the persecution from outside It is because of things inside. Something I've looked at. I mean, over nine years, we are entering into the tenth year in our church. I've seen in our, in our churches and many, many authentic churches all around the world. Major problems are called by, caused by some, a set of people. And we need to, we need to ask ourselves if we fall into this category today. Look at what it says in, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11 verse 26. This is what Paul has to say. In journeys often, I mean, uh, other translation says, uh, he says, he's constantly on the move. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in the, pe- in perils among false disciples, false brothers. Amazing. The greatest damage done to every church, any church, is because of false brothers. 
not true disciple. So if you are not a true disciple, there is nothing in the middle. There is not like neutral disciple and false disciple. There are not three levels. There is either true or false. Everything is binary in the kingdom of God. If you are a false disciple, how do I know if you are a false disciple? How do I know? If I am a false disciple, look at this. Very interesting. Two extremes of false disciples. Two extremes. First extreme. Galatians chapter 2 verses 3 to 5. Look at what it says. Yet not even Titus who was with me being a Greek was compelled to be circumcised. Or there was a set of Jewish believers who said unless you are circumcised... You cannot be a Christian. Okay? So if you are a Gentile and if you become a believer, unless you are circumcised, you cannot be a Christian. Paul is so upset with those brothers. And then he writes this letter to the Galatians. His, his primary task being to take to task these brothers who compel people to be circumcised. And he explains their heart. And this occurred because of who? False brothers secretly brought, they came in. How did they come? Secretly they came. Who came to, came in by stealth to spy what? The liberty. Last time you heard the message? What is, what is the difference between liberty and freedom? So what happens? These brothers will come, they will come and they will check. Hurry. It's too much of liberty over here. Okay. Which we have in Christ Jesus. That that they might bring us to bondage. The idea of these false brothers is that they want to spy on our freedom and somehow take us back to bondage. To whom we have not yielded, uh, we did not yield submission even for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with us. You see? What, how do they come? These are what we call as legalists in religion. Okay. I've seen people who are legalists are primarily slaves of people's opinion. Slaves. Okay. Slaves. Now, after getting ordained as a pastor in Grace Tabernacle Church, I have got opportunities to speak to other pastors. Some of them who are my senior, some of them who are my counterparts. So when we sit together, we have some discussions. And uh, they know me that uh, I'm also a pastor now. And they say, what is your background? Uh, did you do any theology background? I said, what is the theology background? I said, zero. No theology background. I never went to Bible college. Ha! Ah, is it? In our church, we don't allow anybody to preach unless they have a degree from a Bible college. No. You cannot be a pastor. You cannot be ordained a pastor unless you are from a cemetery. Sorry, seminary. Pun intended for sure, okay? <laughs> this is... It's very interesting interactions. Oh, this guy did his PhD from Fuller Theological Seminary. This guy did his PhD from so and such and such a seminary. You know this pastor from such and such a place? He does theology from, in Islamic studies from such a place. And I'm not against 
doing theology. I know good theologians who are very humble. John Piper is one of them. Absolute theologian, absolutely humble man. But these people, what do they do? Because they have a theological degree and they have a PhD, they will come and they will bring in some strange idea so that they can bring you back to bondage. They will say, unless you do this, brother. Unless. We call it, we call it legalists in religion. This is, this is how we have to perform a service. And that's exactly what many mainline churches have done. We put God in a box. And what happens? God cannot be put in a box. This is how the traditions of our forefathers. Peter will talk about that. He says, God has redeemed us from the futile ways of thinking that we have inherited from our forefathers. Futile ways. They are futile ways of thinking. False brethren. You know how do they come? They come secretly. They come in by stealth. That is, there's something sneaky about them all the time. You see, legalistic religious people, they have a sneaky spirit. They keep on observing others. And they pray within themselves. I fast twice. I fast twice. Not like this fellow. Not like this fellow. Always. And this guy is beating his breast and, and he's like, Lord, forgive me. He is worshipping God in freedom. He goes home justified. This, fire, this fellow goes home dignified. You see? They want to see. They're always looking for loopholes. What have you not done? Oh, this is how men of God are supposed to be. But you're not like that. Something is wrong. Stealth. They have a sneaky spirit about them. What is their primary purpose is to spy out the liberty that we enjoy. Can you imagine? Which college did Jesus go for Bible college? And then he spoke. They were amazed at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. This man speaks with authority. How many of you know John Bunyan? Yeah. He never, I mean, I, I was teaching the Pilgrim's Progress to, uh, to, to the VBS this, son, this time. I was telling them, you know, I told John Bunyan, he never went to Bible college. And those days, unless you were ordained by the Church of England, you were not allowed to preach. And they said, John Bunyan, you're not allowed to preach. He said, no. God asked me to preach. I don't have to get ordination from you. Certificate or ordination from me. I will preach anyway. They put him in prison. In prison, they warned him. We will send you out, but you should not preach. He said, if you send out, I'll preach. When he wrote the Pilgrim's Progress, or I think, uh, not Pilgrim's Progress, he's, he wrote another book called uh, Grace for Grace Abounding for the Chief of Sinners. Thank you. Grace Abounding for the Chief of Sinners is one of his classics by John Bunyan. In that, the foreword was given by another theologian of his time, a contemporary called John Owen. John Owen was a contemporary of John Bunyan and he went to theological seminary and he wanted to give a foreword for the book Grace Abounding, Chief of Sinners. And they all of them in the theological college, they said, what is wrong with you, brother? What is wrong with you? You want to give a foreword for this guy who never went to Bible college? You know what he said? This man need not have any degrees, but he's got three degrees. You know what those degrees are? Three degrees he's got. Three titles. What are they? Union with Christ. Anointing of the Holy Spirit. College called suffering. And he has got the ability to stir up the hearts of people. For which I will give my right ear. John Owen wrote a foreword for his book. Humble man. I want to read his books too. <laughs> you see? 
They want to spy out our freedom. Legalistic mentality. Thank God for the freedom that we enjoy. I'm not saying that we don't have order in our church. I'm not talking about that. God is a God of order. For sure. But we don't judge anybody with outward appearance. That is one, one end of the spectrum, you see. False brethren, absolute legalists, and I'm telling you, these are the most dangerous people in any church. Then on the other, other hand, what, what did they do? They compel people. Ultimately, they will say, you have to go to Bible college, brother. Otherwise, they will not invite you to other people, other places. Otherwise, they will say, what is your theological credentials? They will not even give you the pulpit. Big deal. That's what it says. Apostle Paul will say in Galatians, if I become the servants of men, I should not be the servant of Christ. I should not be. What is the other end of the spectrum? Jude's gospel chapter, not Jude 1, 3 to 4. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once and for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in. You see the same spirit? Stealthily, the creeping. They just come with a spirit of a snake. Nobody knows. It's come inside. They creep in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of God into a lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Peter will talk about this. He will amplify this. He will say that there are false prophets among the people even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring, you see, destructive heresies. For when they speak swelling words of emptiness, they elude through the lusts of the flesh. When they promise them what? Liberty. They themselves are slaves of corruption for by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. They promise liberty, but they are in bondage. What are these people? They are called, what we call as liberals. You know what liberals are? I was teaching uh, the book of Romans in a place uh, and after the service was over, seventh, I don't want to name the name of the person. I was teaching from chapter number eight about how we should imitate Christ. That Jesus is, we are, we are, we are to be conformed to the image of Christ and he, that happens through suffering. I explained that. And after the meeting is over, the other man comes and he says, yes, we should be conformed to the image of Christ. And he says, and one of the things that Christ did, he always was with sinners. Okay, I don't have a problem with that. I don't never have a problem with, yes, Jesus Christ was always with sinners. After that, what happened? They continued to be sinners? Do they continue to be sinners? No. When, peop, when Jesus comes into somebody's home, yes, he comes to the home of sinners, they tremble first. And they will say, half my wealth I will give to the poor. If I have taken anything wrong from anybody, I will give them back fourfold. And Jesus will say, salvation has come into your house. You know why? He will come to the house of sinners, but sinners will not remain as sinners. What do they say? Oh, we can sin and sin and sin. We can keep on sinning. The more we sin, the more we'll show that God is gracious. I mean, they don't say it so bluntly, but they will excuse their compromise with doctrines which will help them to compromise. What, what happens? They say, we are, we are free, but they are actually in bondage. Two kinds of brothers. Two kinds of false disciples. Legalists and liberals. 
both sides. And you got to be careful. So, so the point though here is, so we should not study too much about the false disciple. As Pastor James keeps on telling, if you want to recognize the false note, study the what? Study the true note. So what should be the mark of the true disciple? That is what we want to know. You want to know the mark of the true disciple? This is found in Mark's Gospel chapter 8. This is where the meat of the message will come. Mark's Gospel chapter 8. This is found also parallelly in Matthew chapter 16 and Luke's Gospel chapter 9. Parallelly. You can study parallelly both Matthew chapter 16, Luke's Gospel chapter 9 and Mark's Gospel chapter 8. Okay. And this, the context here is, uh, Jesus was at Caesarea Philippi and they, he asked his disciples, who do you think I am? And Peter said, you are son of the blessed man, etc., etc., etc. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. And then after that was over, the commendation is over. He said, now I'm going to Jerusalem and I'll be suffering and they'll put me to death. And what does Peter do? Brings him aside, rebukes Jesus. And then what Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of you're, you're not mindful of the things of God, but you're mindful of the things of man. That's what he says. And in that context, this is what he says. I'm just putting the context for you. Mark's Gospel chapter 8, verse 34 onwards. When he had called the people to himself, with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to be my disciple. I love that word desire. I'm getting to love it more and more. Desire. Desire. It's not wrong. The whole purpose of God is not that we should, that, uh, we should, we should desire Him. That's the purpose of God. For at His right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. The psalmist will say, Lord, in you is all my hope. You are my salvation. I have nothing good apart from you. Nothing good apart from you. Whoever desires, do you desire today? Do you desire God? Do you desire honestly? If there is a desire for God, then it is for you. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Who should deny? Him deny himself. So in other words, there is a him who is being denied and there is a him who is denying. Very obvious. There is a him who is being denied and there is a him who is denying. Okay? Uh, uh, this is the flesh and the spirit, of course, we know that. But uh, John Piper calls it this, this state of sacred schizophrenia. Schizophrenia means multiple personalities. Sacred schizophrenia. Okay? There is a deni- guy who is being denied and the guy who is doing the denying. And this has to happen all the days of your life. You should be constantly in that state where you are denying the other fellow, whoever that is. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, not my cross. That's what Jesus is saying. He's not, he's not to take my cross. My cross is different. My cross is for something else. He has to deny himself. He has to take up his cross, not his neighbor's cross. In other words, you should not look at his neighbor and say, your cross is lighter than my my cross. That's what a lot of people think, no? Your cross, Baba, is so light. It's like plastic. Look at my cross. But the problem, you know what happens? 
the moment you interchange the cross, suddenly it will become more heavier on you. You know, I, I remember one, one guy who does this uh, um, pep talks, no? Or what do you call positive talks? I don't know what what do you call them. What is that? Not TED talks, no. Those motivational speakers, right? Motivational speakers. There, there are a lot of motivational speakers. They have some in, intelligent ideas. Sometimes he said, a lot of people they compare themselves with others. This he says, you know, and they said other people have less problem. I have more problem. Then he he, he made a very interesting uh, observation. He said, okay, let us all write our problems in a piece of paper. Okay, and let us put it in a container and come and pick a problem and go back home and let let that be your problem. So everybody wrote their problems and they put it on the container, secret container. And then he asked one lady, come pick up pick up a problem randomly. So she picked up a problem. She said, she read the problem. (gasps) No, no, no. My problem is much, much better than this problem. I don't want this. You see, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, not his neighbor's cross, and follow me. For whoever desires, I love this. Look at this word desire over here, desire over here. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will save it. You see that? For whoever desires to lose his life will save it. And whoever loses his life will, I'm sorry, whoever saves his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will save it. So ultimately, he who loses his life will save it or lose it? Save it. He'll save it. In other words, you know, there's a very interesting verse in Romans chapter 6 verse 16. It says, Don't you know whom you yield yourself servants to obey? His servants you are, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Okay? Whether of sin leading to death and obedience leading to righteousness. And he goes on to say in verse 19 or 20, he says, I speak in the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. Meaning, I'm speaking in this terminology called slaves and master because I want you to understand this. You're either a slave of sin or you're a slave of God. And you don't like the term slave. In our country especially, you know. Banisa, that word Banisa has got a very negative connotation. And, and he says, I'm speaking like that because of the infirmity of your flesh. If you become a slave of God, you need to understand this master. This master is not like other masters like sin. This master, what an incredible master Jesus is. And when you know this master, you will not only want to become a slave, you will say, Baba, I want to be your bond slave. You will say that. That's what happened to Paul. He says, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated for the gospel of God, which he has promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. That is what he says. That means when he's using this terminology of a slave and a master, He's just using it because we, he wants us to understand what it is. But when you, when your master is Jesus, oh boy, you don't know this master. That master actually died for you. Which master died for you? It says in the book of Romans, he says, for scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Yet peradventure for a good man what would, one would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He is my master who died for me. This master is different. 
and I would love and want to be his slave. That's what happens. That's what he woos us with love. So he says, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And he uses a very interesting word for, because. You need to understand something about the Bible. Bible like any other book, unlike any other book, is a set of arguments. It argues with you. It argues. I've discovered this. You know, if you take uh, any other book, list of commands, do this, do this, do this, do this. Five times you should pray. 30 days in a month you should fast and feast. And, uh, okay, etc. And you will be okay. Once Once in a lifetime you should go to this pilgrimage. And by and large, you'll be okay. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Repeat telecast. Repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Hopefully, one day, your good deeds and your bad deeds will be okay. And you will enter into heaven. But you know, you read the Bible, one of the things that you need to discover in the Bible, when you start reading it, God will give you reasons. He will start reasoning with you. And a lot of people don't like reasoning, no? Why should I go through this tough argument? Okay, let's just read it and let somebody else explain for me. But you need to understand, God is the one who argues, he'll give you reasons, and please pick up your cross and follow me. You know why? Because, and, because whoever loves his life, will save it. I'm sorry, he will, uh, saves his life, will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And again he goes on and says, For what shall it profit a man if he wins the whole world and loses his own soul? What shall a man give in return for his own soul? Don't you know, man, that your soul is so precious? He's arguing, hopefully, and will look at her argu- the arguments of Jesus and say, my God is reasoning with me. Oh, my God is reasoning with me. Let me follow him. That is what he says in Isaiah. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Come on, let us reason. Sit, sit across the table, let us talk. You see, that is an amazing discovery you will make about the Bible. He gives you arguments. Suddenly you will have, why should I do this? And he will give you the arguments. He will say, if you do this, this is what will happen. This is what will happen. This will be the end result. And ultimately you will lose your life. Do you want to go that path? Or do you want to take the path which is more difficult? Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many will try to enter, but only few will be able to make it. He gives you answers. Said, so let us take up his cross. Not, I mean, not uh, his cross, but our cross. What is the difference, but, between his cross and my cross? I want to just look at how does God give us the grace to pick up this cross? His, the cross that he has ordained for each one of us. How does he do it? First, he says, look at the cross. Remember, Christian, with his burden on his shoulder? Goes to the mountain called salvation. And then he looks at it. Amazing thing, no? The, the, the automatically the bands will just disappear and the load just falls, the burden just falls and gets into the empty tomb and he covers it. And then he says, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, the burden of my heart was rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the way. He looks at the cross. And three angels appear. Three angels. One comes and says, your sins have been taken away. (laughs) Why? Your sins have been taken away. 
Another angel comes and gives a certificate. What is the certificate? Assurance of salvation. Another angel comes and gives him new garments. The garments of righteousness. Amazing. Amazing. That's a cross. So how does God enable us to carry our cross? The first thing he does is he's a look at my cross. What did he do on his cross? First thing he did on the cross, he shed his blood. What does it do? The blood of the cross. There's a first, there's a term called blood of the cross and it's found in Colossians chapter 1 verses 19 to 20. For, you see, again, the word for. It pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the, what? The blood of the cross. He shed His blood on the cross and what did that do? Blood of the cross demonstrates God's righteousness and God's forbearance. It demonstrates God's righteousness and God's forbearance. How can a just God be merciful at the same time? It says in Romans chapter 3 verses 23 to 27. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God set forth as a propitiation through His blood. Look at that word. Through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, you see that word forbearance again. Propitiation to his blood, his righteousness, his forbearance. God has passed over sins previously committed. All the sins that you committed previously. He looks at the blood, the shed blood of Jesus on the cross and he says, Forgiven. I have taken... I have taken the punishment. This word propitiation, he literally absorbs the wrath of God. No? We sing that song, in Christ alone my hope is found. Okay, On him, every sin was laid and when that was laid, the wrath of God was satisfied. The wrath of God literally was satisfied on the cross when he saw the blood of his son. He took all the punishment upon himself. He showed his righteousness. And he said, okay, I punish my son. He who did not know sin became sin for us so that in him we will have the righteousness of God. And verse 26, this was to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that I, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. You have faith. One of the things that many believers struggle with even today in our church, a nagging sense of guilt. Not able to progress. A nagging sense of guilt. You see, his righteousness. You know, there are some truths which become reality in your life. You read it over and over and over again. But there are certain truths which become reality in your life. That's like, the Bible is like that. It's a, it's a book which, which is so powerful. It's called a living word and becomes reality in our lives. And there's one thing which I discovered about the blood of Jesus when I was studying the word of God. I want to, I want to show that for you, to you. The blood of the cross redeems me from my past way of life. Past way of life. First Peter chapter 1 verses 17 to 19. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, 
Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. This is good. Live out your time as exiles, it says in other translations, with fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors but by the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without spot or blemish. In other words, there was a way of life that you were used to and you were going by that way and you were absolutely a slave to that way. So what did God do? He redeemed you. He took you away from that place, that path which is leading you to destruction and he put you on a path which will lead you, lead you to life. He redeemed you from a futile way of, a past way of life, the blood of the cross. Third thing about the blood of the cross. The blood of the cross ushers in the new covenant. Let me read that to you. A couple of passages and let me explain that. Luke's gospel chapter 22 verse 20. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, this is the cup, the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. A new covenant in my blood. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 24. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. It speaks a better word. You remember that song that we sing? Your blood speaks a better word than all the empty claims that we that we claim upon this earth, speaks righteousness for me, stands in my defense. Jesus, it is your blood. What can wash away my sins? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What does he do? He he puts you in a covenant where God is for you and not against you. It's called a new covenant. What is this new covenant? Very powerful verse in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 and 34. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Judah and Israel, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. In other words, he is never ever going to remember your sin. Does it, does it mean that God forgets? No, no, no. He is not going to account the sins that you have committed against you. What happened in the in the old covenant was only a covering of sin. What happens in the new covenant is the forgetting of the sin. Remember that that beautiful story that Vishal said so many years back during worship. If I don't know, I don't know if you remember, there was this pastor who was uh, who was a missionary in 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 uh, South America in Chile. And uh, after a while, he did something in his in his in his mission trip, and he was. Made a big blunder. And it was constantly tormenting him. He repented of it, but it was constantly tormenting him, tormenting him, tormenting him. And one girl in that congregation, one day she comes to him and she says, Pastor, I've been praying for you. And the Lord spoke to me about you. The Lord said, you're blessed. Really? This preacher said, really? The Lord speaks to you? Okay. If the Lord really speaks to you, this time go back to your closet, prayer closet and pray and ask the Lord, what did you, what did my pastor do four years back? If the Lord really speaks to you, he will tell you what I did. So the young girl went back home and the next Sunday she came home. She came back to church and she worshipped and after the worship service over, she came to the pastor and she said, Pastor looked at her and said, yeah, hi, I remember you. Did you ask your, did you ask the Lord what I did four years back? Did he answer you? The Lord said, yes, I I prayed to the Lord and asked her, what did my pastor do four years back? 
And what did he what did he answer? She said, The Lord said that I forgot. I don't know. And after that, that guy tears in his eyes. Amazing. Amazing. You know what we call we call them happy people. You know what is happy? Knowing that you are forgiven. Knowing that you are accepted. Amazing. What was not possible in the old covenant, wherein they had to offer the blood sacrifices over and over and over and over again. You know, one man of God gave this very interesting example. He said, let's say, Anne, I go to Anne, I say, Anne, just give me one lakh rupees, okay? I need, I need to borrow one lakh rupees from you. Promise, by the end of this year, today is, uh, 21st May, by 20th May 2018, I will return it back to you with interest. Okay? Answers, okay, Vijay, uh, I'll give you the money, but I'm really not sure if you will give me the money back. What we will do is, we will do a promissory agreement. On bond paper, legal bond paper, we'll write this bond paper and we'll sign. You sign, I sign. By 20th May 2018, he is supposed to return me 1 lakh rupees with 20% interest, whatever interest she says, okay? You should not lend on usury, but okay, fine, I'll give you 20% interest. I agreed, as I agreed to the terms and conditions. 20th May 2018 comes. Anne calls me. Now, I can't run and I remember Anne, I said, Anne, uh, I'm so sorry, I don't have the money. Anne says, okay, and you will not return it back, but let's do one thing else, okay? You come back, we will rewrite the promissory note again. This time, 20th May 2019, you should return the money back. Okay, thank you so much, thank you so much. And what do I do? Oh, go back to Anne, again we sign the uh, bond paper, it's going to be renewed for another one year contract. Next year, Anne knows very well this fellow has not got the capacity to return it back, but she wants to make sure she is merciful, okay? She wants to make sure that you will not take me for granted. That's exactly what happened. On the day of atonement, the high priest used to go every year once into the most holy place to offer sins, offer a sacrifice of sins on behalf of the people and used to just to go like this and run out, lest he be killed. He has to tie his, tie his uh, knee with a rope and slowly release him and wait for the sound. If thub comes, pull him out. Okay. Once in a year, they used to go and offer sacrifice. Why? And they used to do it year after year after year after year. This was to tell the people, you know what? I'm only remembering your sins and I'm just covering them. It is like renewing the contract. I'm still not satisfied. But when Jesus came, he was a high priest. He said the blood of goats and bulls will not do any remission for sins. But he took his own blood and he went to the most holy place, not made with hands, but in heavens. And he offered the blood once and for all. how Apostle Paul became a believer and he could worship God and serve God with a clear conscience and he says I strive to keep a conscience, my conscience clear with God and with man don't you know Apostle that you are a murderer have you forgotten he says I didn't forget but God forgot 
<laughs> I didn't forget. But God forgot. He did that so that in me he could demonstrate his goodness and forbearance and his love. That is the reason why Peter will say, this Jesus whom you crucified, not we. Not we. Yes, I was also there when I denied him. But after when he went to heaven and he offered his blood, all my past is under the blood of Jesus. He is not going to remember my sins anymore. What a precious truth that has to be reiterated every day and every moment. Because every moment we fall short of the glory of God. So that we will walk without condemnation and guilt. That is the reason why it says, there is therefore now, when, 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 now, it doesn't matter if you have sinned grievously even yes, even till yesterday. You can come today, come to Jesus and be cleansed and go free, guilt free. But that is not that does not mean that you should use that as a license to sin. No, no, no. There is a blessedness. The new covenant removes. It will not impute sin. Look at what uh, uh, Paul quotes this uh, about David's psalm. No, David had this hope. Oh Lord, blessed is the man. This is what he used to say. Psalm 32. He's quoting from Psalm 32. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will... What? Read that, everybody. Never count. He will never say, I know what you did last time. I never forgot. A lot of us will, will never forget. I know what you did. But God forgets. He will never credit it. Never counted against you. Wow. Amazing. That is that that brings, to, brings me to my next next point. The blood of the cross takes away my guilt. Takes away my guilt. Think about it, no? That cross, remember that? When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my riches gain, I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast. Save in the death of Christ my Lord. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his hands, from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love from mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet, nor thorns compose so rich a crown. Where the whole realm of nature mine were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. He looks at the abundant cross and he says, you know what? I see that love, the sorrow and love from flow mingling down. And he looks at me and he says, you know what? Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they are doing. And then the rich, that, that, that thief on the cross hears that and he says, Lord, Lord, remember me, Lord. Remember me, Lord, when you enter into paradise. Takes away my guilt. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 to 22. Therefore, brethren, having boldness. Oh, I told you, right? The high priest could go only once a year. But you and I in the new covenant have become a royal priesthood. He said, First Peter says, coming to him has living stones. You also as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house to become a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Acceptable to God. Through Jesus Christ. You have become a holy priesthood. Now you can enter boldly by a new and a living way which he has consecrated or f- consecrated for us through the veil. That is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God. We are all the house of God. But there is a high priest over the house of God. This high priest is not after the high priest of Aaron. He is a high priest who was tested in all points and yet 
did not sin. Yet did not sin. He was tempted to the maximum in every point. And he understands the pain and the power of sin. And he never sinned and he understands your pain. He is the high priest who went into the heavenly places and he offered up his blood. And he is therefore a high priest who can save you to the uttermost because he's living forever making intercession for us. Look at what it says. Let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. So what happens? What does he do? The promissory note that Anne has. You know, what is, what does he do? He goes to Anne. Promissory note. Anne, Anne, please give me a promissory note. Give it, give it, give it, give it. Tang. Paid in full. Certificate. Sealed. Take the seal. Take the certificate. If anybody says, I know what you did. Paid in full. You cannot punish me, please. I know what you did. Let me take you to prison. Paid in full. Paid in full. That's a clo- that's a scroll that Christian gets in his hands. The assurance of salvation. He looks at it. He says, "Really, really? You forgave me? You forgave me? Paid in full." That's what he says. It is finished. The Greek word tetelestai. Paid in full. Paid in full. Look at what it says in Colossians chapter two, verses thirteen to fifteen. And you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh. He has made alive together with him. Having forgiven. Everybody read this. Everybody loudly. Having forgiven all. Everybody say that. All trespasses. Every trespass. This is so fundamental to our growth in Christian life. If you want to overcome sin, you should know that your sin is forgiven. You can never overcome a sin which you know that has not been forgiven. If you try to say, okay, for, okay, Lord, I know I sinned, but next time I will not sin. To one week, two weeks, and then I will go to God. See, see, Lord, two weeks I did not sin. Please, can you forgive me for that sin? <laughs> Doesn't work with God. Doesn't work with that. You said, okay, fine, two weeks, right? Let me wait for another week. Let's see how, how you'll fare. Third week, you'll fall. Where are you going, brother? Why are you not coming to church? I failed. I failed. I tried. I tried. I tried. I failed. The problem is, you're trying and trying and trying, but you're not coming to God for cleansing and for forgiveness. So what does he do? Having, so what is he having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against you, which was contrary to you, and he has it taken it out of the way and he has nailed it to the cross. Wow, that is powerful. You know, I remember this baptism service in a particular church. You know what they had to supposed to do? They have to write all the sins. They used to have a wooden cross over there. They have to write all their past, all the sins that they have committed. Doesn't matter what sins that they have committed. They used to take the take the chitti, go to the cross, take a nail, tuck, 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 nail it to the cross, and then go into the waters of baptism and come out. All my sins, past is gone. New creation in Christ Jesus, never sinned. Just as if I'm never seen. Have you heard this, brothers? Have you heard this? Have you heard this truth? That a man is justified by faith alone apart from the work of, works of the law. Apart from the works of the law. 
and never earn your salvation. He nailed it to the cross. He disarmed principalities and powers and he made a public spectacle of them. That is the reason why it says in the book of Revelation chapter 14, they overcame him by the what? The blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. All the accusations, the accuser of the brethren will get. You know what he says? Forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. Don't you know? Don't you know I've been forgiven? Take the scroll. He will run from you. My response. Remember that 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 passage in Micah chapter 7, if I'm right, where Micah knows that I have sinned against the Lord. He says, I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Think about a prophet like Micah <laughs> who prophesies the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. He says, I have sinned. I have sinned against the law, against the Lord, and I will bear his indignation, but you don't rejoice over me, my enemy. You know what? My Lord is going to plead for my salvation. My Lord is going to plead for my salvation. And then what will happen? That's what the Christian does, no? Remember in that, in that battle with Apollyon, he takes the sword, he says, rejoice not over me, my enemy. And he just gives a strike to Apollyon and Apollyon flees for his life. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. One, one word. Rejoice not over me, my enemy. When I fall. Yes. We will all fall. We will fall, brothers. Don't you think I have sinned yesterday? I, yesterday I was looking at my at my browsing history over the week. Honestly, you know, I have to be honest. No, so much of time wasted on nonsense. I said, Lord, forgive me. Yes, I'm fasting from food, but I'm not fasting from things which I like. (laughs) Forgive me. Nailed it to the cross. Took it out of the way. So what will be my response? What will be my cross when I'm confronted by the blood of the cross? What will be my response? Look at my, look at the response. You know what my, my, my response should be? Humility. 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 Why did he do all that? So that he will remove all boasting. All boasting. Why did Jesus save you, Vijay? (laughs) Chief of sinners. Not because I was good. I was a worst. My, My response is humility. That's the reason why it says... Do you presume upon the forbearance and the patience and the goodness of God, not knowing that the kindness of God was meant to lead you to repentance? Kindness and the goodness and the long-suffering of God. He never deals with us according to our sins, nor rewards us according to our iniquities. Will that lead us to repentance? Will that lead us to humility? Will that lead us to dying to ourself? In in that we will lose all all our reputation and say, Lord, this is what I am truly, Lord. This is what I am. I'm not going to hide. That is the reason why it says in Psalm 32, Blessed is the man in his in whose spirit there is no guile. Look at what it says. I want to, before I do, do, do that, 1 John chapter 1 verses 7 to, 7 to 9. But if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We have fellowship. How do we have fellowship? We confess our faults one to another. We say, brother, I've sinned against the Lord. Can you pray for me, please? That's what he says in James. If you, if any man has sinned, confess your faults with one another so that you may be healed. 
and the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If we say that we have no sin, oh, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is both faithful, he is also just. Why? Because he is the just and the justifier of the people who have faith in Jesus Christ. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Therefore this morning, open up your mouth in a small prayer and say this. Look at what it says in Psalm 32 verses 1 to 5. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. That's where, that's where Romans will stop. But what, where, where the psalmist will continue. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. Meaning, I will come to you Lord just as I am. I'm not gonna play the fool and say this is not what I am, but I'm not gonna be a hypocrite before you Lord. Next verse. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. You keep silent and you act as if nothing has happened. You know what God is gonna do? If He loves you, He's gonna put pressure upon you. Until you cry out, Lord have mercy. Day and night your hand was heavy up, heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. My vitality was turned into drought of summer. I like that graphic language. Then what did I do? I acknowledged my sin to you. And my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. That is how you take up your cross. You say, Lord, I die to all my reputation and I confess who I really am. This is what we call as justification, brothers. You know, justification should not just be a, a mere doctrine in your, in your minds. It has to be an experience in your lives. Remember the first time when you experienced forgiveness. You wouldn't believe what, what a happy man I was. Boy, freedom. I knew the guilt absolutely like a heavy burden from my heart just going away like that. And I, there was a joy on my face. I went to university and everybody saw me and they said, Vijay, there's something about you. How is your face glowing, man? This face is glowing. Oh, Anil, be. You know, there was a joy in my heart. Blessed, happy is the man whose sins are forgiven. Who doesn't have to do anything. For the sins to be forgiven. It's free. That is what the cross accomplishes. The blood of the cross. Behold the Lamb of God. That's, that, that takes away the sin of the world. The first thing, what it does, it forgives my sin. As I said, Jesus liked to be with sinners. But sinners didn't stay sinners. You need to understand that. You know, Jesus always comes and says, come up, come up. That has been the endeavor of the preaching ministry in this church. Uh, I always hear pastor saying, pastor, today's message was so powerful, pastor, so many things fell into my, fell into my mind. And he said, I had to just lower it down for people, some people who are not understanding it. You know, when, when he says, I don't understand it, I get so angry. Lord, why am I not understanding, Lord? Why? And he says, you didn't get it. That is when I get really upset. God is not a respecter of persons. If you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all of your heart, do you seek him? Or do you presume that you understand everything?
What does he say? He was risen from the dead and he is seated in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. Where are we? Where are we? We are also seated together with him in the heavenly places in, the, in Christ Jesus. That's what Colossians chapter 3 will say. 3 verse 1 it says, You are seated with him in the heavenly places and Christ Jesus. Because of that, set your eyes on things above, not on things on the earth. No. Not on things on the earth. Where Christ is seated and you were seated along with him at the right hand of the Father. Set your eyes there. Come up, saints. Come up this year. Be sick and tired of shallow Christianity. Sick and tired of it. The new covenant is that he will speak to us directly. That every man will know his voice. Every man. There was a time when I, when I got, came back to the Lord, I read this Bible. You would see from cover to cover. I was so desperate for God. That's what it says in Proverbs. If you seek for me as hidden treasures, if you search for me as gold, if you look for me as choice silver, etc., 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 then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Then you will know the true knowledge of God. Then you will understand. It is not by scraping the surface, as one man of God said, if you scrape the surface, you get leaves. But if you dig deep, you get gold. What do you want? Gold or leaves? Gold or leaves? Gold or leaves, saints? Gold or leaves this year? Gold or leaves. Then, second reality of the cross. This is where I believe the next part will come. Which is very crucial for us. The cross of Jesus is a place which crucified my old man. Let's everybody read that. The cross of Jesus is the place where my old man was crucified. When did Jesus die? Roughly about 4 AD, let's say. 2000 years back, when Vijay was not even born. And Vijay was going to be born in the 19th century, or 20th century, sorry, 20th century. I'm not going to give you my age, okay? 20th century. 20th century, Vijay was going to be born. When Vijay was born on 20th century, in the 20th century, and he grew older and older at the time of he was 18 years old, he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and then he realized one truth. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 4. Or do you not know? Do you know? As many have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. So you were buried with him in baptism into his death. So that as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, you should also walk in the newness of life. For if we are identified with him in the likeness of his death, we should also be identified with him in the likeness of his resurrection. Yeah. And then, verse 6. This is powerful saints. Let's read this. Knowing this, that our old man was where? crucified with him. Can you imagine? Old Vijay. Where is he? <laughs> He's there on the cross 2000 years back. Not only were his sins forgiven, but the nature which caused him to sin also was nailed on the cross. Whew. You know when I read this for the first time it was like, why? Too good to be true Lord. In other words, you know what, 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 what was God telling me? Vijay, you don't have to sin Vijay. 
You're freed from sin actually. When did it happen Lord? 2000 years back. You were free. Your old man was crucified with him on the cross 2000 years back. What a truth. Does the church not? So many people don't know this reality that their old man was crucified. So what do they do? They keep on sinning. They come to Jesus. Jesus, please forgive me. Justice, justify me. Jesus says, okay, forgiven. Go back. Old fellow comes back. Old passions comes back. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. That's what, uh, if you read the book Pilgrim's Progress, Faithful's Testimony. Faithful is asked this question, how many people did you meet? He said, I met a man called Old Man. What's his name? Adam. What did he, what did he have? He had three daughters. What are their names? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. <gasps> and they had nice dishes, delicate dishes in their house. He said, you can marry all three of them. But then I said, no. But then I was running away. And even as I was running away, Moses was coming swiftly with a danda. And he was spanking me. And I said, why are you spanking me? Because in your heart, you're desiring lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And he said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of death? Then Jesus comes, thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ. And he's free. 2,000 years back, your old man, old Vijay, where is he? On the cross. Do you know that? Did you know that? That is why he says, knowing, 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 my people perish because they don't know. The reality that their old man which causes them to sin was crucified on the cross 2,000 years back. Hmm. That the body of sin, I love this word, body of sin, no? What does it mean, body of sin? It's like a sailboat. What is a sailboat? It is a boat made of sails. It is driven by the wind. Body of sin. Body driven by sin. Sin is the master. It was taking captive all the members of my body and using it as members of uncleanness unto lawlessness, unto lawlessness. It's taking all the members. It's called instruments, instruments or weapons of my body. My eyes, my ears, my tongue, my nose, everything was used by the by master called sin perform all his lusts and bring you back into condemnation and judgment. And you know what he'll say? Vijay, 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 Vijay. Keep that sin. That pet sin. Nobody need know. You and I only will know. Okay? Just keep it and hide it. I will not say to anybody. You will not say to anybody. We will just get along famously. That's there in each one of us. One fellow, one fellow called pet sin. It's called besetting sin. We know that, we know that sin very well, very well. That website, Lord, once in a while, I'll just, once in a while, Lord. Okay, okay, do it, do it, okay? We'll keep it a secret between you and I. Shh, don't tell it to anybody. All the while, we don't know that this old fellow was crucified on the cross 2000 years back. And suddenly, Vijay comes on 21st May 2017. Peter! Don't you know, Peter, 2000 years back, your old man was crucified. Really? All this time I was being deceived by this fellow. He was taking captive the members of my body and he was using it for sin. You know what you will say? Next verse. For he who has died, he sin. You know the word freed? It's actually word justified. That's the word justified. He who has died, he is freed from sin. Don't you know Peter? Dead men don't sin Peter. Dead men, they cannot sin. They don't have feelings. 
Have you seen a dead man getting angry? You beat him. Will he get angry? No. He's dead. He's been justified. He's freed from sin. And the next verse, verse 10. For he, for in that he dieth. He died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives unto God. So what should be my, my response? This is the reality. What should be my response? How do I take my cross now? Next verses 11 to 14. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Let not sin reign in your mortal body to fulfill its lusts. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield your members as one allied from the dead unto God and your members as instruments of righteousness unto holiness, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are no longer under law, but under grace. That is the reality. That is the reality. Now we will say, okay, fine, all the theory is okay, but how do I express this practically in my life? How do I do it? So let me give you several situations how we can apply this practically in our lives. First thing, everyone has a different cross at different times. Okay, there's a simple cross, same cross, but different ways you have to apply it. So let me start with somebody. You might get upset. Wives have a different cross. Read that. Okay, all the wives read it. Okay. Husbands have a different cross. Husbands and to be husbands, read it. Husbands have a different cross. Children have a different cross. Fathers have a different cross. Elders have a different cross. Congregation have a different cross. Employers have a different cross. Employees have a different cross. Let me tell you something. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness, etc., etc., etc. So what do we do? We put on the whole armor of God. Helmet of salvation, belt of, uh, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, and the shoes of the gospel of peace. All these are defense. And there is only one offense. What is that offense? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Last time if you were there, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 13 verse 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and do not give any provision to your flesh to fulfill its lusts. So if you are putting on, this is not a physical putting on as Pastor was talking about. There's something totally different. It's a spiritual putting on. Now let me tell you something. If you want to really engage in warfare, you know what God told Joshua before he entered into the promised land? First thing he said, every place the sole of your feet feet, or uh, the sole of soles of your feet will tread upon. Complete the sentence. Okay. Every place the sole of your feet will, is going to tread upon. I have, I have given it. It's not, I will give it. I have given it. For example, Joshua is looking at the land and he's going to this place, give, given. That place already given. And Joshua is looking at all this place. Lord, but Lord, all enemies over there, I've already given. Because I've given, you fight. Because I have given, you fight. So how do you fight Joshua? And he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. 
but you shall meditate upon it day and night. That you may observe to do everything that is written therein. That you may have good success. That you will not turn to the left or to the right. That you have that what has been spoken to you. And God will make your paths successful. What is the weapon that God gave Joshua? The word of God. Let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters. If you are really interested in winning your war against sin. Pramod. If you are really interested in winning your war against sin, be a serious student of the word of God. When I'm saying serious student, just not be a serious student, be a desperate student of the word of God. What is that? Desperate. In other words, if the word of God is not if, if you come and say, Pastor, you know what? Pastor, I have fallen again in that same sin. And I've asked you this question. Have you prayed? No, Pastor. Have you read your word? No, Pastor. Did you meditate upon the word? No, Pastor. What will happen to you if you do not pray? If you do not meditate upon your word, what will happen to you naturally? You will fall. And one man of God said, I have hardly seen people who memorize scripture falling. What do they do? They memorize. How do they memorize? You know, Jesus had the entire Torah. They will come and say, turn the stones into bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Ta-dang! Please. Comes back. If you are really the son of God, it is written, jump off. He will send the angels. Thou shall not put the Lord thy God to the test. Ta-dang! Gone. I will give you everything, the glory. You sh- get thee behind me, Satan. You shall worship the Lord, your God alone. Tadang, gone. He had the word in his mind. Do you think Jesus did not memorize the word of God? Do you think it's possible? It says in the book of uh, Isaiah chapter 50, morning by morning you waken me up. You waken my ear to listen to your voice and I did not turn as one rebellious. I learnt your word morning by morning. Jesus Christ with all his limitations. As a man he came and learnt his word which he wrote. What about you and I? So that he can fight the devil. What about you and I? What about you and I? So you know this is what I am doing these days. See, the, one of the things that God told me is, one of, no, God told me, it's my own conviction. I said, God told me, no, it's not like I heard an audible voice, thus says the Lord Vijay, this is what you should do. No, 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 that is not what, the convictions which come when I'm reading the word. I read Romans chapter 15 verse 18. I dare not speak of anything apart from the things that God has wrought through me. So if I'm coming to you and I'm speaking to you, not applying the word of God that God has taught me, there's no conviction. There's no backing up. There's only hypocrisy and falsity. It's not going to help you. It may help you, but it will certainly not help you. That day you will say, Lord, Lord, I have not pro- prophesied in GTC in your name. Depart from me. I don't know you. I don't want that to happen. So what I did, I started doing this. You wouldn't believe it. Out of the last three or four months, I can remember two seconds when I fell. 
two seconds consciously. I just did something. I just got up like that. The scripture was coming out like that from my mouth. Do one thing, saints. Preach to yourself. You have the the desire to preach from the pulpit. Don't do one. Don't do that. Just be like a David. No, it says in Psalm forty-two, verse eleven. You know what he says? Why are you downcast, Vijay? Put your trust in God. Start preaching to yourself. That's exactly what I started doing. So if I am an employee, this is what I'll do. Employees, because this is the order, okay? Employees, it says servants. So let me just, servants slash software engineers slash software engineers slash IT employees slash researchers slash lecturers slash teachers slash students. Okay, all those categories. Managers slash etc. etc. Employees. This is what I say to myself. First Peter chapter 2 verses 18 to 20. Servants, be subject to your own masters. Not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. For it is a commendable thing or it is a gracious thing. If being mindful of God, one endures sorrows while being suffer, while suffering unjustly. Meaning, if your manager was supposed to give you a hike and you didn't get a hike. And you worked really hard. I mean, I, I get to that. I worked so hard. He was unjust. But he did good. If being, it is a gracious thing. If being mindful of God, if you endure sorrows while suffering unjustly, for what credit it is, if you sin and you are beaten for it, in other words, you get a pink slip and you are thrown out of the company and you endure. Oh, I'm being persecuted. No, 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 you sinned. You sinned. You were supposed to be in the lab. You were not in there in the lab. And your boss says, not acceptable, you're not so going to the conference. Gone. For what credit it is if you sin and you are beaten for it and you endure. But if you do good and you suffer for it and you endure, then it is a gracious thing in the sight of the Lord. Employees, this is what I tell myself. I quote myself. First Peter chapter 1 verses 18 to 20. Why? 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 Reason. Following, First Peter chapter 2 verses 21 to 22, 25. For to this you were called. To what you were called? For to this you were called what? Why? Christ also suffered for you. Leaving you an example that you might follow in his footsteps. Christ suffered for you, Vijay. He left you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. He did not do any sin. Nor guile was found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he was suffered, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, by whose stripes you are healed, so that we may die to sin and we may live to righteousness. For we were all like sheep going astray, but now we have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of the souls. I come to us and say, Lord, shepherd, I just speak that to my heart. Constantly. You know, when you keep doing that, you will have no, what, you know what will happen? When come, somebody comes, comes and asks you, Brunda, how much do you earn? More than I deserve. Finished. Answer over. That's it. How are you doing? Better than I deserve. How many marks did you get? More than I deserve. Did you get a seat? More than I thought I would get. Finished. Contentment. Godliness with contentment, great gain. 
Then the order is to the wives. How will you pick up the cross? I also memorized this. Not to tell to my wife, but to tell it to you. Okay. First Peter chapter 3 verse 1 to 6. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Not to other husbands, to your own husbands. Even to those who do not obey the word. So even if they do not obey the word, they may be one without a word. That means don't speak any Bible study to them. They may be one without a word. How? By seeing the chaste and the pure conduct of their wives coupled with fear. Let not your adorning be thought of the external. The braiding of the hair, but the putting on the gold jewelry and the wearing of expensive clothing. But let your adorning be of the hidden person of the heart. The imperishable beauty of a meek, gentle and a quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is very precious. In this manner, the old holy women of old, who trusted in God, adorned themselves while submitting to their own husbands. Like Sarah, obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Whose daughters you are, if you do good without fearing anything that is frightening. That is for you daughters. That is the reason. You see, there are two ways. There is a way of the cross and there is a way of sorcery. That is the spirit of Babylon. You know what the spirit of Babylon is? It says in Galatians chapter 19, 5 verse 19, there are works of the flesh are manifest. Several things mentioned in the works of the flesh. One of the works of the flesh which is, which is very strange is witchcraft. It is also a work of the flesh. Do you know that? You know what witchcraft is? Using methods to get a desired end without the way of the cross. So what do women use? Manipulation. What do children use? Manipulation. Tantrums, you know. I, I studied 8, 10, 11 children, including mine. Everybody has got a manipulator in their hands to manipulate the boss. It's all small children, three years old. No, I look at them and say, you know, you know who I am. This is uh, Doctor Vijay Dakota. You know who I'm talking about, and and then you're like manipulators, big time. Then someone will have this face like this. Why are you, why is your face like that? Why did you take away the shoes from your slippers, mommy? No, 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 please, 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 don't cry. Manipulator. They're all works of the flesh. What do they want? They don't like obedience. They want to twist the arm to get the desired. And that's exactly what happened to Eve. You know what? It says in First Timothy chapter 2, Adam didn't fall into transgression, but who did? Eve did. It says that they were naked and they were not ashamed. Why? You know why they were naked and they were not ashamed? Because the glory of the Father was clothing them. They were clothed in light. And when Eve sinned, what happened? The glory of God departed. Adam saw it. He was not deceived. Can you eat this fruit? No, God said I should not. You don't love me anymore. 
It's called another manipulator. And you know what it says? Adam loved Eve so much more than God that he chose to join himself into a predicament. Stuff. Stuff. Pick up your cross. Same reason. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21 to 25. Of course, you should not leave the husbands. Husbands have, they also can use witchcraft. You know what the witchcraft husbands use? It's called intimidation. Abigail! Papa, why are you shouting at me? Get this job done now! The terror. The moment father comes, everybody is terrorized. They all wonder, what will this fellow do? When we really shout. They're all terrorized. Where is the food on the table? They all run. To get the job done. You know why? Intimidation. It's also called witchcraft. It's a subtle form of witchcraft where you use your authority to twist the arm to get your desired result. That's not the way of the cross. It's called intimidation. Employers use it. And agar vampista our department ki finished and is gone for the next two nights he is not sleeping. Even I used to do that in my college. I was I am telling you I was terrible as a lecturer. You are mocking me in the class. I'll be very interested to see your performance in the lab exam. I'll be personally conducting the viva. And, and I, I, and I, and I go into the examination hall and that fellow is doing the experiment. He's shaking like that. And gives me a kick. Okay? See? It's called intimidation. That is the reason why First Peter chapter 3 verse 7. See, it's, I remember, I put this in my mind. I said, husbands, live with your wives. Don't deal with your wives. Live with your wives in an understanding way. Showing honor to them as the weaker vessel. But just because she is a weaker vessel, don't think that she is lesser. Knowing that she is heirs together of the grace of life. That means she is also an heir. In the resurrection there will be no male, no female. The, quite, the possibility is that she might be ruling you. So just be- get her, better to get it to get into our good books now. We never know. Okay. Knowing that you are heirs together to, of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. You want to, your God to answer your prayers? Better live with your wife. Don't deal with your wife. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 to 26. Husband, love your wives as Christ Jesus loved the church and Gave himself for her. That he might sanctify her and wash her by the washing of water by the word of God. So that he might present her to himself as a chaste bride without spot or wrinkle. I tell that to myself. Say Lord, this is it. It's a weapon. It's a weapon. It's in my mind. Elders. You're an elder. No one thing. No one thing that authority is given to protect, not to abuse. 
First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 4. To the elders among you, I exhort as a fellow elder and the witness of the sufferings of Christ. You know, when Peter writes that, I'm scared because he's going back 2,000 years and this is Peter who wrote it. Vicariously, I go back with Peter to that time. Peter was there witnessing the sufferings of Christ as a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also the air or the partake or the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God. What should you do? Shepherd it. That means what? Be a shepherd. Be an overseer. Exercising oversight. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Not others flock. Your flock. Don't be interested in what other churches are doing. Be interested in what your church is doing. Know your sheep. My sheep, hear my voice. Are you sure that your sheep hear your voice? Shepherd the flock of, flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight. This is for also for uh, fathers and mothers because you have sheep under you. You have to exercise oversight. You have to exercise oversight. Not under compulsion, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but eagerly. Not as those lording over those under you, but living as examples. This is that way of the cross. So that when the chief shepherd comes, you will get a crown of glory that will never fade away. I said, boy, I want to learn this. My sheep hear voice. I want to be a shepherd. Congregation. Sorry. First Peter chapter 1, verses 5 to 9. Likewise to the young among you, I say, submit to the elders. What should you do? Submit to the elders. All of you be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your anxieties upon him for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because we don't do this. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling like a rolling lion to see someone who might, whom he might devour. Resist him firm in the faith. Knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brothers all around the world. But after you have suffered a little while, the God of grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will himself comfort you, exhort you and strengthen you. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. I say that to myself. To the children. Children here? Children, children. How many of you are under your parents? Show me your hands, please. You still are dependent upon your parents. Show me your hands. Let me see. Hands up in the air. Thank you. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 to 3. How do you carry your cross? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor your father and mother even if they are old. For this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land that your Lord, that the Lord thy God is giving you. Do that. Otherwise, let me tell you, you'll be living on borrowed time. It's tough to be that. Don't say, you don't know my father. You don't know my father? God, Jesus will say, you don't know my father. You know what he did? I didn't do anything. You said, he said, take the cross. What should I say? Did I say? No. 
Was I a submissive? Yes. Did I ever said anything wrong to anybody? Yes. No. Was I always obedient? Yes. And he said, take the cross and die. You don't know my father. Will you have an answer when Jesus says that? Pick up your cross. What about fathers? Ephesians chapter 6 verse 5. Fathers. <laughs> fathers. Do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. That is a tough job. Don't intimidate them. Love them. Protect them. Chasten them. Rebuke them. But love them, fathers. Don't provoke them to anger. That's the way of the cross. And then you will say, this is what I'm supposed to do. Oh Lord, this is not easy. Thank God you said that. Did you say that? I can do it. Chalo, chalo, let's, let's get to the job now, okay? Come on, let me, I love my wife. Finish, one day you will try, one tantrum and you're gone. Let me be a good father, one tantrum, you're gone. You cannot do it in your own strength. Unless something else happens. Something else the cross has to accomplish in our lives. Something else. And what is that? By the cross of Jesus, I'm dead to the law. What do you mean by that? The question last time we asked was, does being under grace make me lawless? The question. That is the question. What do you mean dead to the law? Let us look at the words of one great apostle Paul. Look at what he says in Galatians chapter 2 verses 19 to 20. For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. Boy, what is that? I, through the law, died to the law that I might not live for myself. Did you ever read this? I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. Then, I have been crucified. So he acknowledges. I have been crucified. Paul, when? For you, for me, 40 years back. And I don't know when he wrote this, 60 or 70 years back. Okay, 40 years back, let's say. 40 years back, I've been crucified. You and I? 2,000 years back, I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me. Oh, precious. And he gave himself for me. What does it mean? What does this dying to the law mean? Let us read this, everybody. Delight, not duty. Whenever you think that your job is becoming duty, forget that job and resign that job and go to another job. Really. I have to go today. Duty bola. That's that India's duty. How many of you go to the class and enjoy it? You know, I'm honestly telling you, I enjoyed my profession. I enjoyed it. Boy, I love the classroom. <laughs> that was my arena. <laughs> I loved it. And you could ask me. Uh, so professor came and said, Vijay, um, uh, this course is there. What do you want to do? I said, sir, the lectures, the lab, the exam, the tut- tutors, everything I'll do. Are you crazy? Sir, I love it. Love it. I love it. I like to see the expression on their face when I explain the concept to them. Their eyes popping out of their skulls. I like it. It's a delight. It's not a duty. And you know what Jesus said? 
I delight to do your will, O Lord. I delight to do your will. It is no longer duty. What a savior my God is. His commandments are not burdensome. If you love me, you will keep my commands. It is no longer law. It is no longer duty. It is not longer a a set of commands. It is a relationship and I want to please my master. I want to please him. It's a delight. Look at that. Romans chapter 7 verses 4 to 6. 4 and 6. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another to him who was raised from the dead that you should bear fruit unto God. Boy, you see the same same language. What is this? How is what is this kind of a language? What is this kind of a life? He explains it in verse six. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to that we were held, to what we were held, so that we should no longer do but what serve, not in the oldness of the letter, but in the newness of the spirit. It is no longer where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. There is delight. I delight to do his will. Do you delight to do his will? Do you delight it? When you, when you go and study the scriptures, when you work hard, I say, Lord, this should be my delight. I want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy it, Lord. I want to enjoy it. This is, I want this to be such a delightful exercise. I want to fight for it all the days of my life. Delight, not duty. That is the ministry of the new covenant. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 3 and 6. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ. Ministered by us, written not with ink. You know what Paul is saying? We didn't give you a set of laws. You know what? We wrote a letter. You know who is that letter? You are our letter. Boy. Boy. What, a pr- what pride. What, what delight he had. You are my letter. When I see you... Man, you're my fruit. You're the fruit of my ministry. Every time, and I talk to Sister Elsa, she says, when I look at Eric, fruit of my ministry. It's a delight. He is a letter that I wrote. Boy, it's a delight. Written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the flesh that is your heart. You know what God said? I will write my law on the tables, tables of their heart. I will take away the heart of stone. I will give them a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within them and I will write my law on their minds and I will cause them to walk in my ways. That is the new covenant. And you'll say, boy, I want to do this. I want to do this. What laws are you talking about? Give me another commandment, Lord. I will do it. Not because, not in my own strength. Because I know I want to please you. I love you so much. It is our delight. No longer a duty. So he says, Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant? Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. By the spirit of, now the Lord is a spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This is the verse that we looked at last time. But we all as unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. From glory to glory, just as 
by the spirit of the Lord. So what is God doing? He's taking his spirit and weaving a poem. You are God's workmanship in Christ Jesus. Created unto good works. Which God has prepared for you. That you should walk in them before the foundation of the world. And you become God's poem. A masterpiece. A classic in God's hand. So what is my response? And what is my cross? First Peter chapter 4. Verses 7 to 11. The end of all things is at hand. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep on loving one another. Because you ought to serve one another in not in the oldness of the letter, but in the newness of the spirit. Keep on loving one another for love covers a multitude of sins. As each one of you has received a gift of as a steward of God's very grace, use that gift to serve one another. Those who speak, let them speak the oracles of God. Those who serve, let them serve in the strength that God provides so that in all things, God may be, God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To Him be glory and power and dominion forever. Amen. I want to serve. I want to serve. I want to study. I want to, I want to study the word of God. I want to love the word of God so that when you come, hopefully you will see, at least if you don't understand my message, you will understand the excitement that I have and I will ignite it. I would have ignited the passion for the word of God in your, in your own life and you would have said, if God can speak to Vijay, he can speak to me too. I want to speak like the oracles of God. That's the reason why Paul says, pray for me. Pray for me so that utterance can be given. So that when I open the mouth, the mysteries of the gospel can be made known to all the people where I preach the word of God. That is my response. What is your response today? Do you have a gift? Are you still living in the past? You can come to Jesus this afternoon and say, Lord, forgive me. If you confess, he is faithful and just. Are you defeated by sin? Don't you know that your old man was crucified with him? And you say, Lord, this bearing the cross is a painful exercise. God says, I will write my law in your hearts and this will become not a duty but a delight. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? Romans chapter 6 verse 616 and 617. 16 and 17. You know what it says? 16 says, Don't you know to whom you yield yourself servants to obey? His servants you are, whether to sin unto death, whether to obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that when you were servants of sin, you became obedient from the heart. That manner of doctrine that was taught to you and being made free from sin, you became the slaves of righteousness made free from sin, become slaves of righteousness. That is the promise of the new covenant. He's going to write his laws on the deepmost parts of our heart from our inner man and we will be from the inner man. It will be a delight to do his will. Just like Jesus did. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you. We praise you for this time. We give you glory, honor and praise for this day that you have blessed us with and all these children whom we have sent into the house of God. So many of them living in condemnation and guilt. So many of us defeated by sin. So many of us bearing the cross grudgingly but not willingly. 
I pray, Lord, this evening, this morning, Father, let your Holy Spirit move in the hearts of a few, if not all, that they will be stirred. They'll be stirred in their inner man. And they will say, Lord, write your law in the tables of my heart and cause me to walk in your ways and let it be my delight and let it be not my duty. To that end, bless each one of us, we pray. We thank you, we praise you. Once again, we commit us, commit your servant, Pastor James, into your hands, O Lord. The rest of the time, rest of the meetings, O Lord, I pray that your anointing would rest over him and you would preach with authority and unction and anointing from above. Father, you approve him, O Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for this time. Even as we go back to this week, through this hot summer, O Lord, I pray that sun will not smite us by day, nor the moon by night, the powers of darkness will not strike us by night. The Lord will preserve us from all evil. He will preserve our soul, our going out and our coming in from this time forth and even forever. Father, to that end, we we pray that you would bless us. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, bless each one of us. May we walk walk victorious through this week. And when we fail, may we come back to you. Knowing that when we are chastened, we are chastened by our Heavenly Father. Whom you love, you will chasten. So that we will be made partakers of your holiness. So that we will not be consumed in the wrath that is coming, coming upon this world. Father, bless us this morning. Let the favor of the Lord and the grace of the Lord be our portion through this week and cause us to walk victorious in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.